Hey there, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of The Overflow Show. I'm your host, Caleb Cox, and this is my beautiful co-host, Katia Cox. And joining us today, we have a very special guest. We go way back. In fact, I've known our guest longer than I've known Katia, and Katia has known our guest longer than she's known me. So stick around um, to hear the origin story of one of our dearest friends and be encouraged, be inspired in the gospel, and it's going to be an amazing episode. So without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to The Overflow Show, the podcast that follows our lives as a young married couple who love Jesus. We are Caleb and Katia Cox, and our goal is to inspire people like you to dream big, know God, and never settle for less. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm super excited to introduce to you guys our guest today, um, hailing from the land of Lindale, our backyard, uh, is Andre Roncancio. We've been trying to interview him for the last three weeks. He's been playing hard to get (laughs) um but he's someone who's super close to us um and yeah andre you want to say hi to everybody Um, hey everyone super excited to be here on the podcast yeah um so i guess to kick it off how do we know each other well through our parents i suppose they've been really good friends ever since before they even got married i mean yeah. And so our parents have known each other for what? Like 25 years? Probably maybe more. That's crazy. Yeah, so our parents have known each other longer than they we've bought, been alive. Yeah, they bought uh engagement rings together both our dads. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we go way back. And then Katia, how do you know Andre? Mutual friends and school. Pretty basic. Yeah. Y'all were in the same grade? or No, no. I, was, I was a grade above Katya. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. I would sit with them at lunch sometimes. Yeah, we would be in youth group together, you know. Oh, that's, that's true. That's kind of how we and I, bonded. And I was still in my diapers at that time. Yeah, <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, so we first saw each other like in our memory I feel like when Andre your family came out to visit my family when I was in Fort Worth yeah and I must have been like eight years old nine years old I don't think you were that young really well you think I was older we moved here when I was in fifth grade I was like 12 okay uh I think you might have been a little older like older than that because I must have been like 13 ish 13 were y'all visiting from Egypt? No, we. I think we'd been in Dallas for a while. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Egypt. Yeah, <laughs> Egypt. You um, are my only white friend who has lived in another country for like four years. Yeah, um, I did live in Egypt for four years. Okay, I lied about that. I have more white friends who've lived in other countries. Prove it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah. Um, Because my parents are missionaries, and 
they, uh, yeah, they decided to move over there when I was about eight years old. Okay. Did you hate it? No, I loved it. Egypt was awesome. Just loved the culture and the people. Yeah. And, yeah. What were you thinking? Really everything about it. Do you remember when your parents said that you were going to move to Egypt? Because I remember when my parents said that we were going to move to be missionaries in East Texas. And I was excited for it, just for change. But do you remember when they said, like, we're moving to Egypt? Not really. The, like, the earliest memory I have, I think, is, like, being in class and having to say goodbye to all my friends. And they kind of had, like, this booklet they had all signed and given me. Um, And then I remember arriving our first day. I think it was, like, New Year's Eve. And so we were driving from the airport to where we were staying and there was fireworks going off everywhere because everyone was celebrating the new year nice that's cool so why did your family move to egypt well my dad feels really called to libya um, and libya is a lot more closed so he kind of viewed it as like a stepping stone to get into libya kind of a precursor if Mm -hmm. you will (laughs) Chain, you know, really do missions in Libya, which is a super closed-off nation, even more so than mm-hmm. when we were living overseas. Okay, yeah. So my parents are full-time missionaries. Your parents are full-time missionaries. They actually staffed together. Um, so I guess we can start off. I mean, the main reason we're having you on the show is kind of to get your story of basically your testimony and like Mm -hmm. what took place for you to give your life to Jesus and then um, just the revelations that you received throughout maybe some obstacles that you faced that um, have caused you to walk in a deeper intimacy with God that's kind of I guess yeah so your not necessarily life story but your testimony as far as meeting Jesus so I guess we can start it off with if you just kind of want to run with it but kind of when I guess your first your earliest memories of like wanting to know God in a Mm -hmm. deeper way and what that looked like well I think growing up as the son of two missionaries it's kind of like always been a part of my life but maybe I I wouldn't say I really surrendered until I was 19 years old. Um, but I think the earliest memory is... My parents always tell me that... Um, I think when I was three years old, I asked them, does God live in the clouds? Uh, and does he live in the trees? And then I asked, can he live in me? Uh, and that was kind of, I think, the point where... It became, or it's it's just like a point as a child where you, I feel like, are expected almost in a Christian home to give your life to Jesus, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people have that story, but they weren't super conscious or really understanding what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, I have that story kind of when I was four. I was like, ask my mom. If I could, if I could have Jesus, basically, if Jesus yeah. would come into my heart. Right. 
And, yeah, I don't really remember that at all. Or, like, have... Like, I don't know where consciously I was. Mm -hmm. Like, what I was thinking about. Um, But, yeah, I think 19 is really where everything kind of turned around. Um, And I think part of it was for the longest time I didn't really understand the gospel. Uh, And it just allowed me to build... Or to be selfish and angry and bitter yeah i guess um, what was your perspective of the gospel like growing up and through your teenage years and such i think a lot of it was like uh i think dan muller puts it best when he talks about how he just saw jesus as a man who had to get beaten and killed because of how awful i was mm-hmm. uh and then he he forgave me but nothing else really changed you know yeah so it was more of a ticket into heaven rather than a life transformed. Yeah. Um, and my job was just to try my best to um, live like him, but also to, you know, spend time with him, which really to me just meant asking for forgiveness Yeah. to some degree. So how did that play into, um, like, missions in your mind as far as... Because, I mean, I've heard, like, testimony, like Dan Muller, for example, where he sees Jesus as a ticket to get to heaven, but he's going to live his life, like, however. But you always were in perspective of, like, people who were giving their lives for missions, for technically for the gospel. Um, so how did that kind of selfish perspective of the gospel play into your perspective on missions? Well, I don't think I fully understand, stood, like, what my parents were doing, uh, or even what they believed entirely. I think a lot of the time they would encourage us to spend time with Jesus, but I think most of the time it was out of, like, frustration with how we're behaving, kind of, (laughs) you know? Like, they're upset, so they're like, you need to go spend time with Jesus, you because you're not behaving how you should. Uh So it was always like, yeah... I need to be doing something different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about becoming something. I guess, like, they wanted me to <laughs> seek him so I would become something, but yeah. my perspective was just that they're frustrated with how I'm behaving. And by me going and spending time with Jesus, I might feel guilty enough to change or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Yeah. But <clears throat> uh, as far as selfishness, in that, I, yeah, I really don't think I understood fully what my parents were doing or what they were giving their lives to. Mm-hmm. Or it just seems like it would have panned out differently. Did you think you were going to go into missions when you got older? Like, did you um, always kind of think that would be... I know I always thought I would do a DTS, which is one of the training schools that YWAM offers, mm-hmm. which is the missions organization that my parents... Uh, work with yeah and as I got older um I think I kind of thought that would be my kind of moment of real transformation and that would almost save me and get me out of the place I was in um just because I think I didn't wasn't super aware of how selfish my perspective was. Also, I don't think I was like actively re- realizing that this perspective of the gospel is selfish. Yeah. But it's just slightly twisted from the truth 
you know. Yeah. So just to get you living condemned and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know for me when I was <clears throat> in that place, um, there were little seeds like planted by people who I saw that were like free, kind of like seemed free, yeah. but. Um, I think, like, the hardest time for me probably was in kind of the transition zone of knowing, starting to know truth, and then not walking it out, because I was still living for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, what are some, do you remember any, I guess, just, like, what changed? <laughs> what changed was just the perspective that I could live free and, like, yield my heart to no longer live for myself Mm -hmm. and I was in a place where I didn't want to live let alone for myself you know yeah um and as as you were talking about truth I guess it just became so much clearer the way you put it because I feel like a lot of times Christians have like a yeah but you know in a lot of what they say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you just had a confidence and a, like, clear faith that was so evident. And even I could see that your life was different mm-hmm. just from what you were believing. Yeah. And, yeah, what you were saying sounded so different from what I either understood other people were saying or be- believed. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you will take us to kind of that time period of like I guess so you're saying like I was changed and you were seeing Mm -hmm. truth put and you were challenging me sometimes like in the gospel but long discussions yeah like take us back there and then situationally and like what was going on with you so I had just graduated high school um and I was really angry and (laughs) depressed kind of or just felt kind of aimless in life I was going to college and really hated it (laughs) um and I think I had just let anger and resentment towards people really grow from like moving back to Egypt from Egypt to the United States it was really tough because I had a hard time relating with people and I was moving around so much I think I went to like like six or seven different schools in the span of like seven years Mm -hmm. so each year I had a new new school and uh yeah I took life really personally and just allowed um myself to see people as like my enemy almost yeah or just yeah not see their value because of I don't know I had like a superiority to some degree of like my experience has opened my eyes to something more than mm-hmm. Americans really see, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of bugged me. Yeah. And so, once I had graduated, I also, living in East Texas, think I saw a lot of hypocrisy among Christians at school. That kind of bugged me a lot, too. Um, and to some degree, I'd kind of, like, denounced Christianity, or... Yeah, Christianity. 
in my own like heart i think of just being like feeling like it's kind of all of fake yeah like or at least nobody's walking it out and so you kind of had a bad taste in your heart and i didn't see yeah the fruit of any of it i mean i think part of those seeds that were planted was i did summer uh camps with ywam Mm -hmm. um and they were all all, always really awesome but like it's always that like uh camp high that you come down from yeah because i i don't know what exactly it is yeah just like you get a taste of something and it's really good but then I guess because we're never taught that nothing else has to own us, you know, as soon as real life yeah. kind of, so to speak, hits, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, You're as like, soon as the it. sun <laughs> starts scorching, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you dry up because God's supposed to just make your life better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and seems like that investment in the bedroom isn't working then if, yeah. if you're still having a hard time <laughs> and so with that motive it's like it can never really grow into anything because mm-hmm. life's always going to be difficult it's just a matter of how you perceive your perspective and yeah I think that's one of the biggest things that's changed is my perspective and my laying down my rights to to have not have bad days and yeah. not allow what I'm going through to own me mm-hmm. and drive me and I think what really changed too is what you were speaking about a lot at that time was like identity and who we were because of what Christ did because my perspective of identity was that I was still a sinner who is destined to or doomed to failure Mm -hmm. you know well where were we like you said when i was saying this stuff you weren't like just listening to me preach sermons or no yeah (laughs) we were just having conversation yeah right and i think you had recently you know been on fire for christ and so it was like the only thing you wanted to talk i think that was like two weeks after i came back from the conference where i gave my life to jesus yeah, something was, like that. Yeah, it, it was, was pretty recent. Really and close, yeah. I think part of it was, yeah, I believed that we couldn't live free from sin and we can live like Christ. Yeah. That we would always It's kind of a condemning fail. belief. Yeah, well, it's... I mean, yeah. it's just going to confirm itself <laughs> if yeah. you believe that way. And then you kind of, I feel like you have to, if I believe that I can never live up, but I'm supposed to try and live up my whole life, Mm -hmm. that makes it kind of like, it seems hard to be personal with God when I think that. Yeah. Because I know I'm always going to be trying to do something that I believe I could never do. Have. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, But yeah, continue. Sorry. Kind of lost my train of thought, but I think when we started having conversations, you kind of changed my perspective because that had become my identity of of just trying and failing, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't believe that Christ redeemed us to sonship, you know, that yeah. he had paid the price to restore us completely. Uh, like I said earlier, I thought he paid the price to forgive us and we were still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember challenging you a lot and argue, like starting arguments with you and you just always had a response that I can re- rebuttal because it was always based on Christ's life. Yeah. And I quickly realized that's like the standard and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Just the example that Christ set. Yeah. And I think at the same time, I was definitely just just struggling with like depression and pessimism and just feeling like I would never amount to anything to some mm-hmm. degree in life. Just purposelessness. Yeah. Basically. Um, and yeah, I think that kind of idea that I didn't want my own life, but I could give it to Christ. Mm-hmm. And he could was make just, something and make, of it. Yeah. Give me purpose. Yeah. Was a big part of it. So I barely remember, like, do you remember us having those talks? Yeah. Because I don't really have a memory of, like, Andre disagreeing with me that much. I was Well, I don't there, think... I vaguely... But... I just remember, of course, like, sharing Jesus and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I know that that was a really important time, like, in your life and in our friendship. And um, what about after that? I remember we came back and there was that revival um, going on. Was that... Because I feel like one of the nights I drove you home from the revival was that night that we sat in the car. You mean I drove you home? <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't even drive yet. Well, I think a <laughs> uh, few things happened. We had like a YWAM conference and this guy was sharing, a sto- uh, I guess, a metaphor about driving a car. Um, mm, yeah. And having Jesus, you know, in the passenger seat. And then finally letting him take the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think God kind of spoke to me and was like, you're sitting in the driver's seat, but no one's hands on the wheel. You're just kind of bouncing around aimlessly, <laughs> you know? And it was definitely like whatever I was hitting was deciding my direction, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and that was kind of eye-opening. Um, and then I had this dream that was pretty intense of me just kind of in... What seemed like a World War One kind of environment, like just a land scarred by war and just completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I think, lying on my back in the mud, and I saw this bomb dropping. And as soon as it hit, like as soon as it exploded, I like jol- was jolted awake, um, and I kind of heard a voice that was like, "This is where you're headed." to complete destruction so to speak um and i was like yeah i don't want to live this way anymore mm-hmm. um so i think after we had a few discussions in the car that were super deep i think i had basically given up disagreeing with you because every time you had a response that i just couldn't respond to mm-hmm. not in like a need to be right but just 
such a simple response that was like changes everything like there's nothing that can Mm -hmm. stand against it almost Mm -hmm. um and i remember just driving uh home i was upset this was a different time i was really angry (laughs) and i was speeding and a cop pulled me over (laughs) and i was like if i get a ticket i'm not driving home i think my thought was like if i get a ticket uh, I'll I'll figure out how to kill myself essentially, which seems so ridiculous yeah. over a speeding ticket. But I was just in that dark of a place, I think, and I don't know if I would have done it. I mean, I had thoughts like that before, but I knew like I just knew how wrong that would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got away with a warning, and then I think. After a few more, you know, really amazing talks together and just more um, God pursuing me. I was just driving, I think, one night from dropping you off. And I was like, I don't want to live for me, you know. And it was that simple. It was just like the genuinely confessing it. And Mm -hmm. I just suddenly remember feeling so much joy and freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like since that day free from like so much stuff Mm -hmm. depression anger like just my whole disposition had changed and i think a lot of people noticed to some degree Mm -hmm. or i remember getting a lot of encouragement from katya's family and i think it's when we really became really good friends at that Mm -hmm. point yeah because there was nothing in the way of our friendship because we all believed the same gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we didn't have any expectations of each other. Yeah, it's true. We were, yeah. Yeah, Andre, yeah, I knew Andre, oh, like, in the time, like, the time immediately before transformation and after, and I can definitely say that there was a big decision change in him just because it's so funny to look back and think like we would sit like in the lunchroom together and Andre would just like I don't know just I was like a storm cloud (laughs) you know I really don't understand how I had friends in high school I was such a negative person passive aggressive and then like I'd go over to hang out with your sister and I just remember seeing you like just playing video games like that's the only thing that I ever saw you do was just sit there and play video games and I was like what's wrong with Andre like (laughs) kind of but after it is crazy to think about like just happy Andre positive Andre I don't Mm -hmm. know just joyful like genuinely joyful yeah and and looking or and part of it was or actually a lot of it happened right before I did end up doing a discipleship training school with YWAM or DTS Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really awesome because I was looking at DTS to kind of be my savior, you know, Mm -hmm. or that would be what would change me. Um, Mm -hmm. and God was like, no, you need me to do that. And so it was cool because I just got to go to LA and be really a light. Um, yeah, I wasn't there for anything other than living out the gospel and loving the people 
who were there as well mm-hmm. and just representing Christ even in the setting of missions training mm-hmm. and I don't think there was a day in my DTS where I wasn't like full of joy yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah yeah I remember um just I didn't have as much I think it's interesting and it kind of a cool thing how clueless I was throughout your whole like yeah. time like I had no idea that you were like having any inklings of like feeling suicidal or like just being depressed mm-hmm. or like anything like that I was literally just like um, hey, Andre's like he'll let me talk to him, and I'm just like gonna share the gospel. And we had I I remember the night that I think you're talking about that you drove home, that you dropped me off at like eleven, and yeah. we stayed till like what one or two a.m. Yeah, really, and, really late. And I was just sharing about like, and you were kind of confessing like that you were kind of like believing and desiring like just freedom and you felt like you it was like clicking yeah in your head you were like repeating back to me like i just have to like believe it's like faith Mm -hmm. like believe because i feel bad about like not living for him and it's like I can just be free. Like, you were just mm-hmm. saying certain stuff like that, and I was, like, getting excited. Yeah. And then you were just different. Like, I do remember you were just, like, happy. Mm-hmm. And just, like, joyful. And then, like, you, you went from probably... I say this to people, but you went from probably the most, like, downer, pessimistic person in the friend group... Oh, easily. ...to, I like, was... the most positive... <laughs> person in the friend group like that people would be like oh yeah andre's positive like you know yeah like in that short period of time yeah um oh yeah i think oh well sorry i sorry to interrupt you i, you're good. <laughs> I thought i was doing i knew where i was going <laughs> um well i was just gonna say like just that transformation taking place in such a short period of time like what I guess what has been your experience from that point till now well I think um yeah like before I was kind of how you were saying you didn't even see that really in me all that stuff Mm -hmm. um because I wore a mask a lot uh but yeah afterwards I just felt so secure and just who I was and mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to have any rights and I didn't want to live for myself because I knew how awful it was mm-hmm. before um and so yeah going to LA I was just so full of optimism and I remember the first day just being so excited uh to see all these people who were maybe who knows why what motives they were there for Mm -hmm. but they were gonna get to meet christ and i might have a part in some of that Mm -hmm. you know um you would have a part yeah you you knew you were gonna play a part right some of and i just remember like being so excited to read the word and really spend time with god Mm -hmm. um and make it personal 
because before it was always condemning to to read the bible and it was never really that personal it was only for me you know yeah it's like my response to problems was going to god to fix them almost and that completely changed um and i remember just like really soaking up like so much from different preachers and from my own time in the bible uh and i took it to la with me and it was super exciting to be sitting in lectures and like kind of see the deception in what they're teaching almost not not that they're doing it intentionally but just like see how just where they were off on something yeah and be able to like live differently than what they're talking about Mm -hmm. like i remember one specific time they they would talk about how oh we're living in such close quarters we're gonna be fighting and angry at each other a bunch and just thinking that i don't have to live that way at all Mm -hmm. and just being excited that i not get to prove them wrong or anything but just your life would my life yeah yeah um and i remember like one morning almost every night going to bed i would like just start praying for my roommates uh and one morning um really early my bunkmate got up to use the restroom and it was shaking the bed and i woke up and my first thought right away was just thankfulness and i just started thanking god for him like which is so the opposite response and there's (laughs) no way i would respond that way (laughs) If it wasn't for spending time with Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I, That's good. And it's just exciting to like live a life transformed. Yeah. It's exciting to know that you're like, no matter what takes place, you're free and you're thankful. Yeah. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like anything could come my way and anyone can treat me any way. And that'll just build this thing even deeper in me. If I just keep that perspective. That Mm. nobody owes me a thing. And it's really awesome because I think a lot of the times I was in my bedroom in the secret place seeking God. I didn't really feel anything profound. I just believed that something was changing. You know, it wasn't ever like a crazy experience where I'm weeping or something like that. Yeah. And feel the presence of God it was just simple Mm -hmm. and just believing that he I was knowing him more and that was transforming my life Mm -hmm. and I think more recently it's been a little more difficult to kind of walk in that not walk in that like see that walk see that apart from Christ. Like, Why do you think that is? Well, I think I've recently kind of been more independent, if that makes Or, like, not spent time in my bedroom just because I've been more condemned recently. <laughs> I think um, sometimes I see, you know, that pessimism or that frustration rise back up and it's like, well, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's super easy to get really condemned by it. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've 
kind of lost sight of that identity, you know, of what I'm supposed to be walking in, or not supposed to be walking in, what I have the privilege of walking in. Yeah. And that the only way I can walk that way is by intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, I think that that's a good point is like something that I feel like tries to, um, come at us is this lie. Like we can go back to your like transformation and we Mm -hmm. can talk about that dream that you have where it's like the bomb drops and it's like it jolts you awake. Like that's some intense stuff. And like, that's exciting to hear. And like, you just hear that and you're like, black and white it's like the gospel yeah. and death and that's it and then we come back into life and we work jobs and we're like with the same people like all the time and then it feels like i think personally it feels like it's harder to keep that perspective that you're in life and yeah. death like you're choosing the gospel or death every day and i feel you know what i mean yeah like i didn't really thought of it like that i just feel like things get um normal and repetitive just depending on what situation we're in like for us for example like working and just being around family like that can get to the point where it doesn't feel like if i'm not all out for the gospel today it definitely doesn't feel like i'm choosing to aid the kingdom of darkness or it doesn't feel like i'm choosing death but it is. It's like I'm choosing to cut myself off of the perspective and the privilege to be fueled and be given life by the the person who gives life, by God, by, by Jesus. And I'm choosing to not take back darkness for the kingdom of light because things just get so familiar. Um, and then in that place, if it's not life and death... And I do express something that's familiar, that's old, that's from the dead man. I guess I feel like then there's room to feel condemned. Because if I feel that something familiar and I'm in the middle of destroying darkness, it's like a joke. It's like, oh, I know this is doing this. This old thing is rising up trying to stop what I'm accomplishing in the gospel, what I'm growing in in intimacy um and i'm not gonna submit to that but when i feel like mundane like i'm not choosing one or the other actively with my day Mm -hmm. um because i'm just selling insurance or whatever like then i'm like can feel bad about it because i'm not my headspace isn't like believing that i'm at war yeah and i just feel like that maybe that's kind of like it's like we let our guard down it's like we don't realize right. that we're at war all the time. Mm-hmm. So, what now? What now? <laughs> well, I still want to go back to L.A. Um, I really feel that God's calling me to be a full-time missionary there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess now it's just a matter of being intimate and seeking Him every day. Yeah. Do you feel like God's had anything like on your heart? lately like very specifically that you feel like you should share 
Can't even. I can't really think of anything super okay. specific. I mean, just anything he's like, growing in you right now, or anything uh, that you're like really pursuing right now that's been on your heart. Well, I just think uh, recently with the current condition of our country, if you will, uh, a lot of Christians seem to be worried. Um, and of course they're praying, uh, but God's just been really speaking to me about motives and that, and, um, how if you don't see your country, or if you see that your country's in trouble, or that it needs to change, um, for any reason other than seeing its value, that your motives aren't right, Mm. you know, and that we as Christians need to see God's vision of our country, and that's why we should be praying instead of seeing how much trouble we're in, yeah, or how how bad everything is, you know, because we're watching the news. Mm-hmm. True. So you're saying just like being motivated in prayer, not because there's a problem, but because you see the potential, yeah, like for our country and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. And I think. <laughs> Just being in L.A., having a heart for that city, it's been similar. Like seeing the value in L.A. Yeah. Not just seeing that there's a problem. (laughs) Well, yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That's really good. Well, um, Katya, do you have anything to add? Do you have anything you want to ask? No, I think that was good. That was really good. Yeah, and we're definitely going to have Andre back on the podcast (laughs) at some point. Probably when he's in L.A. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, super excited to have you on. And we're just like glad at the testimony that your life has been. And we know that, I mean, this episode, we just believe it's going to encourage people and transform people, give people um, who maybe are in the same position that you were in or are in a completely different position but just want to see truth that they would be touched by your story um, and that you're walking that out today that your perspective is clear um, and that people know that we can walk this thing out and that we don't have to have the fire fade and all that junk um, that the gospel can be a light every day and that we can live for the gospel every day and destroy darkness um, mm-hmm. yeah I think it might be cool to end this episode kind of by praying it out. Yeah. Yeah. Might start doing this as an outro. Um, Just praying for you guys. Does anyone want to volunteer to pray? (laughs) (laughs) If not, I will. Okay. All right. So, Jesus, I just thank you for everyone listening right now. And, Father, I just thank you, um, whether they're in their cars or just um, in their living room or bedroom, wherever they are, that... Father, that you would touch them and that you would reveal to them the privilege that they get to walk out, that you would reveal to them the way that you see them and the value that you've placed on them um, through your blood. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you would invade people's lives. And Father, I thank you that you wouldn't let one person listening be able to get out of the gospel. (laughs) I pray that you would Um, be on their minds, that you would consume their thoughts, and that you would reveal your goodness to them. 
And in Jesus' name, I thank you that every single person listening would taste and see the goodness of God and that everything else would be dead. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you guys. See you next time. We thought we would leave a short blooper for you guys to enjoy. How you doing, Andre? I'm doing good. <laughs> How you doing, Andre? What? Don't ask me that. <laughs> That's what Joe Rogan would say. Is it? I don't think so.